0: Jacks a Fantasy Baseball Podcast, our off-season edition. I'm Joe Galina, and as always, I'm joined by my buddy, Scott Chu. You could follow him on Twitter at if the fits. And uh, Scott, uh, you've been keeping pretty busy uh, finishing up, uh, I believe, that pitcher list, Dynasty Mock, and uh, it's also getting to be peak curling season for you. And uh, uh, for those of you that don't know, Scott is the creator of Fantasy Curling, and Scott, you also took part in a favorite fruits draft. I see.
1: Oh yeah, I got all kinds of drafts. I've got a real baseball one with the uh, with the on the wire podcast, which you should check out with uh, with Adam and Kevin. But it's you know it, it's a lot of drafts. The fruit draft is fun. Um, uh-huh. I, I got. I, we had an argument about apples. I couldn't believe it. The people <laughs> tried to argue that a red delicious is better than a honey crisp. It was outrageous. People Just, are passionate yeah. about their fruits. I, they are. I, mm-hmm. I mean, it was, I mean, they, they have to be doing it for the ratios. I just don't see, I don't see how a reasonable person feels that way. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of fun. This is the time. I mean, why worry about the, the lingering, um, shadow of no baseball potentially for a long time when mm. I can just draft things, literally <laughs> anything.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, it could be cereals. It could be uh favorite TV shows. I, uh, got dragged into an amazing race you know that tv show a draft uh, where uh we had to pick uh, three team members i've never seen the amazing race but a buddy of mine asked me to jump in and gave me the cast listing so i took part in that yeah we're just we're drafters we love fantasy we love to draft but this uh on the wire uh podcast draft is that a real draft like you said or is it a mock
1: yeah no that that's a real draft they've okay. got a they're They've got some listener leagues. Uh, I jumped in one of them over at NFBC. Twelve teams. Um, otherwise, normal like NFBC format, weekly, Roto, five by five. Uh, lot, I mean, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. But it's, it's my first, I think, real draft where the roster's gonna count mm-hmm. after after I'm done. So, so it's been, it's been a trip. Uh, early drafting is always interesting because. It might not ever be possible again to wind up with uh Mookie Betts, Ronald Acuna, Jacob DeGrom, and Zach Wheeler all on the same team.
0: You didn't do that. right? Did, uh, you, are they on your team?
1: They're, they're all on my – those were my first four picks. Oh, my and God. And so here's the thing. In two months, that's either going to look really stupid or really mm-hmm. awesome, right? Because if there's a setback and DeGrom's not going to pitch for half the season – there's no DL in the NFBC, a lot of risk there, mm-hmm. but in a 12 teamer, I'll swing for the fences. Yeah.
0: And uh, you mentioned Acuna, right? Uh, recovering from a torn ACL uh, was expected and still might miss the very start of the 2022 season. But number one, we're not hundred percent sure that the 2022 season is going to start on time anyway, but this week we saw some video of him taking uh, some impressive
1: swings uh, and when he hacks, he's going to hit some jacks. Yeah. Just like the podcast suggests, right? Like, that's why we're here. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to take too much away from those batting practice videos. They're very curated, true, you true. know, mm-hmm. but um, I- I'd rather see him hitting baseballs really hard than not hitting baseballs really hard.
0: Absolutely. Yes. You know, like mm-hmm. if you're going to
1: show me Ronald Acuna hitting baseballs, I hope he's hitting them hard and he is. So, mm-hmm. so it's certainly not a bad thing. Right. I mean, you're still looking at this lingering threat of will he play in April Mm -hmm. and then will he play in May? And my opinion of it right now is, you know, at that point, it was the second round of the draft. And, you know, I think overall it's pick like 18 or something like that. I'm like, if he plays 140 games, I think he beats this value. And if he plays Mm -hmm. 130 games, I still think he can make that value because he darn near did. Yeah. Right. As a hitter, uh, you know, missing a bunch of this last season. So that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. And that's just what happens in early drafts. You got to just take the risk because late drafts, you can be conservative because you have information in early drafts. You don't, you can be conservative still. And that can be a very successful strategy, but you're going to miss out on a lot of things. And you're also not going to get burned as much, but you don't have the same information to go off of. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So that's where you really see people's tendencies to be aggressive or conservative is in these early drafts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just to give our listener a point of reference, it is very early in the fantasy baseball draft season. Uh, We're recording this on January 8th. It's about 845 p.m. Eastern time. Elvis's birthday, Scott. uh, I don't need to say his last name. Do I? You know who I'm talking about? I'm, I'm not talking about Elvis Andrus either.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Other I'm, I'm old. I'm just old enough to know who that is.
0: <laughs> there you go. So we're just dying to get any baseball news that we can. And I saw you posted a picture of Akil Badu looking all jacked up.
1: I lift things up and put them down.
0: You know, I mentioned the Acuna video. We're seeing some video of Yankee starter. Jamison Tyon, who had surgery to repair a torn ankle tendon on October 28th, tweeted out some video of him throwing a ball. And like you said, you can't take much out of these videos that we're seeing off season, but it's better to see them doing what we expect them to do during the regular season than not. So uh, just trying to turn some uh, lemons created by this lockout into some lemonade. So just looking for, for some positive news. Just another couple of things I'll just touch upon. Other news making the rounds. Kenny Rosenthal, his contract wasn't renewed by the MLB Network. Some are saying that it's because he had been critical of uh, MLB Commissioner Rob Manfred during the 2020 pandemic uh, shortened season negotiations, and Manfred's been getting a lot of bad press because of that. And uh, A-Rod no longer going to be doing the color commentary for the uh, ESPN Sunday Night Baseball main broadcast, but this guy's got nine lives because now he's going to be teaming up with Michael Kay, who's the regular announcer for the Yankees, and he's going to be doing kind of like that uh, Eli and Peyton Manning, that free-form broadcast uh, that they were doing for uh, during the football season where A-Rod's just going to be able to go on and tell his baseball stories, and I would think they're going to probably have guests just like the the Mannings had. And I'll be honest with you, I I couldn't listen to uh, A-Rod pontificate in the – Sunday night broadcast. I remember especially one game where they did a Statcast kind of broadcast on another uh, ESPN network. I turned to that, but uh, uh, like I said, we're just grasping at straws for any kind of news about baseball that we could find.
1: Yeah. You know, the thing with the Manning cast is that Eli and Peyton Manning are likable like at all. And A Rod isn't at all. You know, he's he's got all the personality of a plastic doll, right? And he is not entertaining to listen to. Like, no doubt knows more about baseball uh, than I ever will, yeah, uh, because he was a great player. But don't but, sell yourself short, okay? <laughs> yeah, but but at the same time, he's not great in the booth. And what's I really, you know, hopefully they've just kind of kind of got him off to the side. Like uh, like Andy Richter with Conan O'Brien, just like off to the side a little bit and just let him like pipe in when he has something important to say and then go back to being quiet because <laughs> he can't drive a conversation to save his life because he'll mm-hmm. just keep saying things like, well, you know, the, the key of the game is to score runs. Yeah. Thanks, A-Rod. Yes. So I will
0: watch, but maybe I'll just turn down the sound and, and try to get the uh, broadcasts some other way. Because uh, I just can't listen to three hours of him, uh, you know, telling nonsense stories. But anyway, so uh, for today's show, we thought we'd take a, a look at some deep league sleepers for every offensive position. I and mean, We're talking about the type of players that, let's say, if you're in the middle of a draft and you realize that, hey, you know, I've, I've waited so long to fill a particular position you know, that I need to make a move now. I need to, to pick someone at a particular position. And as somebody that you'd feel comfortable rolling out as your fantasy team starter if you had to. I mean, these are uh, players who, according to NFBC ADP, are uh, beyond the top 12 at their respective positions. So basically looking for last-ditch options for every position in 12-team leagues there, Scott. So I guess we could start right at the beginning, right? Uh, first base. Some interesting names later in drafts, uh, Alex Kirilov uh, from the Twins, first baseman outfielder, 19th first baseman taken in uh, NFBC ADP drafts. Could he have a breakout? Brandon Belt was on pace for 40-plus home runs last season until he got hurt, 24th in NFBC drafts, and Luke Voigt, 29th. First baseman being taken, 30 home run potential, but uh, got problem staying healthy. So uh, who do you like? Not necessarily of those three guys I just mentioned, but yet who's your guy that you say, hey, look, you know, I've waited too long to pick my first baseman, but I wouldn't be opposed to using this guy as my starter.
1: Yeah, I got I got two names for you. Neither one are any of the ones that you discuss. Not that I have anything against those guys. They're just not anyone I'm targeting The first one uh, just barely met the criteria. He's the 13th first baseman off the board, and that's Josh Bell. Uh, Josh Bell has – he's got more – Like he's shown us a lot of power in his past. Uh, He's always been someone that we've always wanted more from. He's still going to play every single day. I mean, volume's just not an issue here. He's been a consistent hitter. We know he can get on base. Uh, The Nationals should be, you know, hopefully better than they were – Uh, last season. So, yeah, I mean, I just, I think Josh Bell is is really solid and should be around one of the last starting first basemen that people are going to be grabbing for. Now, if he's no longer available, a guy who should be available even later than that, he's going off the board as the 20th first baseman. That's Trey Mancini. Now, I don't love it as a starter in like the Yahoo style league where there's no corner infield. He's probably better served as a corner infield, but we just saw Trey Mancini come back for his first season post-cancer. Uh, it wasn't exactly what we hoped for. He only hit two fifty-five. He had 21 home runs. Uh, the plate discipline was just fine, though, and I do think he can just find more power uh, and at least turn back into the 2017-2018 version of himself, which was like a 25-home run hitter. Even if he can't get back to the 35-home run hitting guy he was in 2019. So I, I like that there could be some consistency there. I do think he'll play plenty. Um, You know, the nice nice thing with first base is there are a couple options towards the end. You know, the the last tier of guys that you might be comfortable rolling out um, is actually deeper than 12, you know, because there'll still be Riz Hoskins there. Uh, You can still be looking at Joey Votto. Uh, Heck, you know, as a last-ditch, usually better as a corner infield guy, Yuli Gurriel is probably going to do something. It's all... It's all out there, so um, you know that's probably that's probably how I'd feel about first base. But yeah, those, those are the two that I'm probably targeting the most. If I didn't grab one of the earlier ones,
0: Josh Bell, 13th first baseman off the board, like you mentioned, Steamer has him at 260, 31 home runs, and 98 RBI. So I agree with you there. And you also mentioned later on Reese Hoskins, 15th first baseman off the board, was on his way to a 40 home run season, uh, unfortunately, season cut short, head season, and the core surgery, batting average, a bit of a challenge, but a lot of power and great in OBP leagues, 360 career OBP. So, but uh, some good choices there uh, on your part there, Scott, and we could just move on to second base and Hey, you know that I'll just throw out a couple of names that I want to hear uh, who you're targeting later in drafts. Hey, DJ LeMayhew, 13th second baseman, right? Disappointing season, which ended prematurely uh, due to uh, core surgery to repair a hernia. This guy's a career 300 hitter and it seems like most projection models have his batting average like in the mid-280s. I think that's too low, mid-290s, more like it. Upward of 20 home runs, maybe the power that we saw in the 2020 season and even the 2019 season might have been a little overstated, but, uh, Oh, I should mention DJ LeMayhew eligible first, second, and third Ty France, first base, second base eligible. Uh, another guy at hitting, uh, his age 27 season steamers projecting him to hit 23 home runs. And your guy from the tigers, I have to mention a tiger for you. They're Jonathan scope, Uh, first base second base eligible plays every day 20 home runs at least is a given and he doesn't kill your batting average Uh,
1: he does go quite late like you mentioned he's a 23rd first baseman uh, second baseman off the board he is eligible at first and second base uh, in most formats if not all of them and he is going to play every single day Uh, he should be able to retain that first and second base eligibility long term not that you're probably that worried about him in dynasty leagues but like you said There's power here. He's shown us 30 home run power before. There should be at least 23 to 25 home runs. uh, And maybe more if he finds another power surge like he did back in 2021. So I like Jonathan Scope a lot. And like you said, he can bat like 260. It's not easy finding guys that late. You Mm -hmm. know, I mean, we're talking about overall, this is after pick 200. I mean, just after pick 200 uh, for ADP, it's 204. It's hard to find guys who can hit. 30 home runs and not also hit 220, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that's what makes him really valuable. Uh, obviously, you know, you picked. I think what's the easiest one, and that's DJ LeMayhew. It's one of these things where where we might be oversimplifying it. But you're talking about, hey, guy struggled, didn't do what he usually did. Why not? Oh, core surgery and a and a hernia. Well, that makes sense, right? That'll make you a little less strong, like. I'm not a doctor, but I just feel like getting that repaired will make him better at baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Again, not a doctor. I, I don't pretend to know how the body works. I just feel like when you don't have a hernia, you might be better at playing baseball. So A little
0: bit, uh,
1: yeah. <clears throat> yeah, so I think that's one that uh, should be sort of easy to, to pick up as far as uh, second base goes. So those were really the two. Uh, two that I'll be looking at. I mean, there's other guys I like deep at second, you know, deeper at second base. I think there's interesting names, but not so much in a 12-team format. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, DJ you like I said, 13th second baseman being taken. Ty France, 16th second baseman being taken in NFBC ADP drafts. And Jonathan Scope, 204 ADP, 23rd second baseman being taken in drafts. So. Let's move on to the shortstop position. Very deep. I mean, you know, how deep is it? Well, I mean, uh, the 12th second baseman we taken is Corey Seager, 13th Jorge Polanco, 14th Bobby Witt Jr., and you just got to be willing to trust him, right? I mean, it's just a, a wealth of depth at this shortstop uh, position. 15th Carlos Correa. I'll give you uh, one of my guys that I'm thinking that might be worthwhile. Dansby Swanson, 17th shortstop taken, ADP 125. Former first-round pick, not a superstar, but putting some decent numbers up. I mean, last season's expected stats mirror his actual 2021 stats. And he'll play every day, and you know, you're know you going to have to withstand a 250 batting average or so, but he's starting to hit for power now. So uh, he's a guy that that's, would be on my radar.
1: Yeah. And he should be, you know, I think the guys that really stood out to me. And like you said, this, this is a really, really deep class. So if you look at like auction value, I'm looking at the auction values that, that I'd be using right now and where every team's 12th guy is usually like a, or every position's 12th guy is usually like a 10 to $12 player, um, you know, at first, second and third at shortstop you're still looking at $19 players, uh, by, by the 12th. So the thing is, here's the thing about waiting at shortstop on one hand, you can get a fine player, right? Uh, the two guys I like the most, Brendan Rogers and Willie Adamas, you know, quite a bit later. I think both of them have an opportunity to play full time for teams with, you know, and with Adamas, it's a pretty decent offense. You know, it's not as good as it used to be, but it's still pretty decent. Um, uh, In a park that's good to hit in, and of course course with Brendan Rodgers, assuming the Rockies are done jerking him around uh, now that he's finally 26 or 27 or something like that, um, he'd get a chance to play in the infield. We saw glimpses of him in 2021. He hit well while he was up. I think that he can play second base or shortstop for them. Um, I think he'll retain both eligibilities. So he's someone I'm really keeping an eye on, uh, especially in Dynasty Leagues where I think – Um, you know, the bargain time is probably over because people are realizing what they have, but you know, certainly his stock is down from where it was, God, what feels like a decade ago, but probably more like five years ago. Mm -hmm. So those are, those are probably two, but the thing is you can't expect them to ever compete the, with the elites at shortstop. Right. Right. Like you're hoping that these guys turn into a top 12 to 15 shortstop. Right. That's what you need them to become, because these like there's it's not like uh, Josh Bell, who goes 13th, but could really feasibly break into the top seven. Right. We've seen it before. He's yep. had those kinds of seasons that ain't happening with any of these shortstops. No one's going to surprise us like that. There's just too much elite star power to the top. So just know that if you wait it short, um, the, there's a reason that some of these guys will last forever. And it's because people are already all set at shortstop, right? You know, they Mm -hmm. took Trevor story, you know, uh, (laughs) already. And, and that was probably like the 10th one off the board.
0: Yeah. One guy I'll just ask you about at shortstop, Brandon Crawford, really came into his own 24 home runs, 11 stolen bases, 298 batting average. Uh, I think I rostered him a couple of times last season, then dropped him and, you know, just should have held on to him. I mean, past three seasons, he has made some changes, which have coincided with, you know, some, some better production at him. I mean, his ground ball rate has gone down past three seasons, fly ball rate, stat kiss, cast, uh, hard hit rate, barrel rate all gone up. I, I think, that he might have another season where he could hit another uh, 20 plus home runs. I don't know. What are your thoughts on on Brandon Crawford?
1: So a lot of that value that really drove up where he was at was, was two things. It was RB. Well, it was three things. Number one, he stole 11 bases. He had never done that before in his career. And then at age 34, 34. like almost doubles his career high in stolen bases that he set in 2016 with Mm -hmm. seven. (laughs) right like that that's one thing the other was hitting 298 he had never finished a season in the past higher than 275 right and he doesn't have any other seasons where he hit at least 260 Uh, and then he hit 298 out of nowhere right now yes he walked a bit more but like this wasn't unheard of plate discipline for him yes he made some changes but Even if he goes back to being a guy, let's say he does everything Steamer says, right? 19 home runs. Let's even give him 20, 22 home runs and seven steals. Goes, you know, has the second most steals he's ever had in a single season at age 35. Let's say he does that. Sounds ridiculous when I say it, but let's say he does that, right? I don't see him driving in another 90 runs like he did last year, right? Because I don't think the Giants are going to be as good as they were because that was a team of miracles. Mm-hmm. I think his batting average goes down by 40 points. And I think he then goes to this place where it's hard for him. It's hard to care, right? It's not that he's like atrocious or anything. It's just hard to care because the, the short, like shortstop is so deep. Like Brandon Crawford, sure. I, I've got him in my top 25 at shortstop. I, I have him as like a $6 player. Right. But like at that point, I'm looking at other guys that are probably a lot more exciting than what Brandon Crawford can offer me. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm chasing more upside than what Brandon Crawford can do. Right. Like look at the guys being taken right next to him. Like, you are you telling me that Eugenio Suarez's ceiling is anything like Brandon Crawford's? Like you Eugenio Suarez's ceiling is 40 oh, runs. You know, <laughs> it's top 50 player. Right. Right? Um, you know, Nikki Lopez started stealing bases like crazy. Gavin, Lo- you know, Gavin Lux. What if he gets a shot? O'Neill Cruz, right? Andres Jimenez, Jonathan VR. Like if, what if he finds a starting job? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot more exciting things or like, or statistics that I'm trying to pull mm-hmm. out of a shortstop that late. Uh, and Crawford's probably just not going to be the guy.
0: And he is the 24th shortstop being taken. So you you know, right in the, Area where you mentioned he's basically in your top 25, but uh, ADP overall, 200. Good analysis on Brandon Crawford. And, and now we go to a a position that's just going to drive fantasy baseball managers nuts. The third base position, we've already spoken about the position scarcity uh, within third base and fantasy baseball in previous podcasts. Uh, I'll just throw two names out there that I'm interested to see who you're targeting Uh, late in drafts at the third base position. Uh, Justin Turner, 13th, third baseman being taken, ADP overall, 160. I mean, yeah, he's 37, but still he's putting up some pretty good numbers. Blew past his uh, career 162 game average of 19 home runs and 75 RBI last season, hit 27 home runs and uh, drove in 87 And Steamer has him at a batting average of 273 with 22 home runs and 80 RBI. And like you said, late in drafts, it's hard to find uh, someone who'll give you a decent batting average. Uh, I'll give you another name, uh, Eduardo Escobar for the Mets, 17th, third baseman being taken overall, ADP 190. I'm a little worried that maybe J.D. Davis might possibly steal some at-bats from him. Universal DH would help. But uh, Escobar averaging just about 27 home runs over his last four full seasons.
1: Yeah, not a huge Escobar fan, but I do have some guys I like at third base. Like you mentioned, this is going to be a really tough position. It's going to be like the haves and the have-nots, right? You're going to have the guys, you're going to have the folks who drafted Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Rafael Devers, Mondesi, Austin Riley, Arenado, Rendon, Bregman, and then there's going to kind of be everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I think someone that I'm someone that I'm looking at, uh, one of the earlier ones that you can grab is Matt Chapman. I just think that he can rebound from what we saw last season. There's big time power in that bat. We know he's going to play every day because he's a gold glove third baseman. So uh, that's, that's one I'd definitely be looking at. And then a guy who I already kind of teased a little earlier, he's the 18th third baseman off the board. He's also eligible shortstop. Eugenio Suarez, mm-hmm. Uh he, you know, one of the few things I got right late last season was that Eugenio Suarez really went off in the months of, of September. We saw him starting to heat up in late August. He goes off in September. Um, the Reds want him to succeed. The Reds want him to be a guy that they can rely on. They probably don't want him to be an everyday shortstop. Uh, we've probably all seen enough of that. But Eugenio Suarez is a guy that they want to succeed. They want him hitting 35 home runs out of there. The, you know, play disciplines, not good, but it got back to a point where it was sustainable with the power that he's shown us. So that's someone else. I'm really keeping an eye on. It's not like a target. I don't want to end up here, Hmm. right? This is not where I want to end up. I want to end up with one of the top 10 to 12 third basemen. I I don't want to play this game, but if this happens to me, that's probably where I'm going because I'm probably looking at Matt Chapman, Eugenio Suarez, um, I shouldn't have to go any further than that in most leagues. In super, super deep leagues where you need someone with eligibility, uh, a guy that I will just never get enough of is Luis Arias. Uh, second base, third base, outfield eligible, plays for the Twins. Um, he's a guy that should hit early on in the lineup for them, slaps the ball. He's mostly batting average with a little bit of power, a little bit of speed, should score runs. Um, I, I like him very late in drafts, but we're talking like pick 300 plus right? Yeah. Um, not not just like any old draft in the middle.
0: Yeah. Eugenio Suarez, potential to hit 40 home runs and ADP of 209. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if he could bounce back from what was a very tough season for him uh, last season. Um, we'll be right back. We still have to cover the outfield and catcher position. We're looking at deep sleepers. We'll be right back after this. All right, we're back. Joe Galina, Scott Chu. And we're looking at deep sleepers at every offensive position. We're up to the outfield position. And uh, who you pick is a deep sleeper option for your fantasy outfield. I guess it somewhat depends on how your league is set up. Obviously, if you're starting five outfielders, you may need to dig a little bit deeper in the player pool as opposed to when you're only uh, required to start at three outfielders, uh, like a a Yahoo league. But uh, I'll throw three names out there. Well, actually two. How about Harrison Bader? 63rd outfielder coming off the board, 238 ADP. I mean, on the one hand, we saw an increase in his batting average from 226 in 2020 to 267, uh, in part due to a big drop off on his strikeout rate. He had a 32% strikeout rate in 2020, just a 21% strikeout rate last season. But if you look at his expected batting average, it was 35 points lower than his actual batting average last season. Averages 17 home runs and 14 stolen bases for 162 games over his career. So, uh, decent production coming out of him. And, uh, I don't know, Michael Brantley, I I know he doesn't steal bases anymore, but still, uh, batted 311 last season. I know he only hit eight home runs. Steamer projects him to hit 15 and it's expected numbers, expected power numbers a little better than what he actually came up with. I mean, he doesn't, like I mentioned, doesn't steal bases like he used to. But getting a guy that could hit 300 uh, this late in drafts has some value.
1: Yeah, it sure does. I think the first guy I'll talk about is someone who I'd be targeting as that last starting outfielder in the three outfield format. Um, <clears throat> and that's probably a guy like Avi Sail Garcia. Uh, I have always liked Avi Avi Garcia for one reason or another right now. He's the 48th outfielder that goes off the board in NFBC leagues. Most of those are five outfield. Um, So he actually might even go later in Yahoo leagues uh, simply because people's outfield will already be full before they need him. But uh, so Avi Garcia, I actually probably will rank him close to like the top 35 or so uh, in the outfield. I like him a lot. He hits the ball hard. It it stinks going to a big park like Miami. Uh, That's not an ideal landing spot for him, but he can still really hit for a nice batting average, Uh, you know, because it's a big outfield and it's a big field in general. He can help drive that batting average because he does hit it really, really hard and he's going to play. He's going to play every single day. So, I mean, the, you know, the Marlins, don't have a ton of guys who they are going to want to consistently have out there. So as long as he's healthy, he's, he'll play. As long as he's healthy is a bit of a stretch, but you know, I do think that there's a 25 home run, 10 stolen base guy here who can mm-hmm. hit 260, maybe 270 on a good season. So uh that that's one I I really like for, you know, a guy that you can get close to pick 200.
0: Yeah. Anybody else in a five team? Uh, in a a league where you start uh, uh, five outfielders. uh, You think that Randall Gritchick has uh, any any value? I mean, uh, had a pretty good season filling in for George Springer for a lot of the season. Batting average was still an issue. Hit a lot of home runs. Roster resource. Has Tiasco Hernandez as the everyday DH and Grichik playing every day in the outfield. I I I don't know. What do you think about Grichik's options for this year? Ninetieth outfielder coming off the uh, the board, three sixty four ADP. I mean, uh,
1: yeah, Grichik's a guy who is going to go on these nice hot little runs. I think last season it was early on. He goes on the he he went on a hot run. Um, And then his weakness to right-handed pitching got exposed again. It comes up every season and he slumped for a while. They platooned him for a while. And that happens to Randall Grichik every year, Uh, especially with a team like the blue Jays who aren't just trying to get through the season. They're not just Mm -hmm. trying to find out bats. They're trying to win now. Right. So um, Grichik is probably towards the end of his usefulness for the blue Jays as a full-time player. Uh, I'm I'm not surprised that they brought it. Uh, that the Blue Jays would be looking at guys like Corey Dickerson to bring in to be a sort of uh, righty lefty platoon with Grichick, and that's what I think is going to happen to him. So uh, that's my expectation that he's going to get platooned at least to some extent. You know, so deeper guys in the outfield that I like. Um, you know, that I like to go to, I, I can't do a pod without at least mentioning a little bit of a kill, he's taken around, you know, the 50th out, uh, 50th outfielder off the board. And that's around what he actually finished last season. Despite the fact that he started out as a platoon guy, didn't really find full-time work till the mid season. I think that this is a 2020 player here with upside for more. I think that batting average projections are a little low. I think they're penalizing him too much for the strikeout problems he had early in the season that I think he corrected more than once. Um, and I think that the Tigers will be a little bit better on offense than we think, and that he's going to get a lot of chances to lead off as a left-handed bat against right-handed pitching, which is all over the place in the AL central. So uh, I like him a lot. I really liked that Harrison Bader pick. I think he's someone who uh, will also be you know safely inside my top 50 in the outfield, and one real, real deep one, and this is really going to depend on if he can get playing time, uh, it's Connor Joe. Connor Joe of the Colorado Rockies. Um, right mm-hmm. now, everybody's really in love with C.J. Crone, but Connor Joe's a guy who could come in, play some uh, corner outfield, could play some first base, yep. could DH. Uh, if we get a universal DH, he's a guy who I think would get close to full-time at-bats if there is a DH because he and Crone can switch on and off, uh, things like that he's definitely got power and batting average. This is a guy who I think in a full season could threaten 30 home runs, uh, and even hit like two seventy, two eighty 80 cause he hits half his games in course. Mm-hmm. So that, I mean like there's huge upside there. And then of course there's also the fact that he does struggle to play, you know, struggle to be healthy a little bit. Pitchers may figure him out more as they get more looks at him. Uh, the Rockies are going to be really, really bad in 2022. You know, that, that won't be a surprise to anybody. Um, and you know, he, he doesn't have like this crazy high pedigree. But, you know, you can probably get him after pick 350, 360, mm-hmm. yep, in in NFBC. This is not a guy you have to draft in 12 team leagues at all. I, I just get the little watch list flag on him, especially sure. if it looks like he's gonna get a full-time role. Mm-hmm. If that gets announced, if we know he's gonna be uh in the lineup full-time, he'll probably hit right in the middle of that Rockies lineup. And again, while it's not a good team, it's plenty of at bats, plenty of chances to get RBI for a guy who has power and can hit for average. It's a really, it's going to be one of those CJ Crone like situations where it's not necessarily an outstanding player, but it's an outstanding situation.
0: Sure. And uh, let's face it. I mean, we fantasy baseball managers don't mind having Colorado Rockies on our bench and on our roster. And and as we move over to the catcher position, a, a guy that, you know, kind of, On my watch list, uh, like you mentioned, is Elias Diaz, 18th catcher taken off the board, 272 ADP, only played 106 games last season, but hit 18 home runs, uh, batted 246, showed a little bit better plate discipline, cut his strikeout rate from 20.5 in 2020 to 16.2 last season, and his home run split was right down the middle uh so it's not like he hit all of his home runs in cores, but he did hit a uh, higher average when he played at home 289 versus 203 on the road but the power is real who who are your deep sleepers at the, the catcher position
1: so first of all in a one catcher league if you don't draft one of the top six seven catchers you can kind of just not worry about it anymore Um, that strategy remains true, right? It's a little deeper than maybe it was before. And in real drafts, I'm definitely targeting, uh, you know, I've I've picked up a lot of Yasmani Grandal in a lot of drafts. Mm -hmm. Uh, if, you know, if he starts moving up boards, I also suspect that other guys will start coming down. I'm stunned that I'm seeing Dalton Barshow uh, go as early as he does, uh, like the fourth catcher off the board, but we did see good things from him Mm -hmm. last season. A lot of the guys who I thought would be sleepers are getting enough hype now that they're being taken well inside the top 10. I mean, even if you look at it and look at the top 10, you see a lot of catchers who didn't play full time last season, right? Dalton Varsho did not play full time last season. Kiebert Ruiz barely played last season. And Adley Rushman, who's the ninth catcher off the board in NFBC, hasn't played. He has zero major league at bats. Mm -hmm. So that's pretty wild. And while, okay, you know, I admit this is not outside the top 12 at the position, but a guy that I would target as my, you know, last ditch catcher uh, is actually probably Christian Vasquez. Christian Vasquez, uh, in his, you know, he's had three seasons as a full time catcher. He was 14th overall last year as a catcher. It was a really rough year for him. The previous two seasons, he was a top six catcher uh, in most formats. So I do, you know, it, there's been some troubling power numbers especially if you look at the StatCast data, but I do think he can sort some of that out. And quite frankly, he's a full-time catcher. He plays pretty much every single day. He's going to play 130-plus games, which is as full-time as a catcher can get. So that's something I'm really going to be looking at. And really, uh, anyone who gets... You know, at at that point, you know, anyone who's gonna who looks like they'll be a full time catcher starts getting my attention. The other one would probably be Omar Narvaez for, mm. for that very reason. Omar Narvaez, he's a seventeenth catcher taken off the board. I think he could finish inside the top fifteen, you know, twelve at the you know, he could probably finish inside the top twelve at the position, right? I don't rank him there, but he could certainly finish there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's gonna get a lot of full-time at bats. He's in a hitter-friendly park. Um, you know, he's being drafted right now, right around who you talked about Elias Diaz. So he's one of those guys. Um, the one I don't want you to get suckered into is Gary Sanchez. Just, oh, that Gary is scary. Don't do it to yourself. You don't need that kind of negativity in your life. I know what the projections are going to say. I know they're going to tell you, this is a top 10 catcher. This is a great value. Don't do this. Don't do this. Let me try to help you now. I'm going to start telling you this in January. So you don't fall for it later. It's not worth it. It's not worth it maybe in two catcher maybe yeah. but even then it's not worth it. How many weeks of an 072 batting average do you want to endure?
0: I'm a Yankee fan and I agree with you 100 as a as a fan who watches him play uh, every day the the plate skills just aren't there aren't what they used to be. Uh, You could say, well, you know, part of it is, you know, his problems with defense and them uh, playing around with his, you know, the way he sets up at the plate or whatnot or affecting uh, his uh, production at the plate as a hitter. Whatever it is, I'm with you. Um, I don't think he deserves to be on your fantasy team. There might be a, a period where he might just go off. <laughs> for for three weeks, but like Scott said, I I, I don't think it's worth it. So uh, he's
1: a streamer that a lot of people will roster full time. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: he's one. I mean, you see this a lot with pitching, right? A guy who should be a streamer that people roster full time. Gary Sanchez is the epitome of a catcher who should be a streamer that people will roster full time.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, don't so, be that person. Right, I won't. I can tell you I won't, <laughs> but, uh, as we close things out there, Scott, uh, we had talked last week about, uh, your dynasty mock draft. Is that still going on? The, the picture list, uh, dynasty mock. We just wrapped it up. Awesome. Okay. Any, uh, takeaways just, just in general, I mean, you don't have to go too deep, but, uh, any takeaways, anything that surprised you or any trends that you
1: saw? Well, um, Getting sniped on some of my favorite players was a really bittersweet feeling Mm -hmm. because on one hand, it means someone else likes these guys as much as I do. On the other hand, what the heck? Mm -hmm. That's my dude, right? Tarek Skubal was taken from me on the pick right before me by Justin Dunbar uh, because he's a sneaky thief with no honor or shame. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. So, I mean, it was... It was interesting. Number one, dynasty startup drafts are a lot of fun. You should, even if you don't have a dynasty, if you get a chance to even just do a mock, it's a lot of fun. Trying to sort of put in your brain, when do you draft a prospect versus a player versus a veteran? Um, I'm not the type of person that goes into dynasty drafts saying I'm going to play for this year. I'm going to um, go all, you know hard prospects, hard youth, and build for three years from now. I see what the draft takes. We had a lot of folks on the dynasty team, a lot of prospect folks uh, in the draft. So as you might imagine, it quickly turned into a, well, I guess we're going to try to win now. You know, I still targeted some youth, right? It was nice to get Cedric Mullins a lot later than I probably should have. Yeah. uh, 53rd overall. Right. I loved getting Ryan Mountcastle 116th overall. Right. Um, I've got starting pitching in the short term, which is what I like because Pitching is hard to develop and it's hard to find young pitching that stays around for very long, right? Because of elbow issues and things like that. So being mm-hmm. able to draft, uh, Lance Lynn and Clayton Kershaw, you know, in the 11th and 12th rounds was really nice. Akil, Badu but in the 14th, you know, then you Darvish, Noah Sindergaard. I've got a lot of, uh, got a lot of, uh, elderly pitching, but mm-hmm. that's, that's what I wanted. Um, I'd rather have the pitching now cause I'm trying to win now. Um, but yeah, so it's a, it's a great exercise. And I think that what people just need to be ready to do is know how to draft either way. Cause I was ready in this draft to go prospect heavy. If that's the way the draft broke. And I did take a couple, I took CJ Abrams. I took, uh, let's see, um, Austin Martin quite late. I was very happy with the value I got on him and Nick Gonzalez, of uh, the mm-hmm. pirates, I got him 197th overall. So, so it was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm sure, you know, we're going to be writing stuff about it. We're going to be talking more about it. Uh, so, so keep your ears uh, and eyes out looking for that stuff. I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the dynasty team talks about a lot of their picks, except yeah. for Justin Dunbar, because uh, he should probably just apologize for stealing Tarek Skubal <laughs> from me right in front of my face as a new writer. I mean, what hmm. is this? Uh, he's trying to make a name, you know, uh, and a uh, picture. Shots fired. <laughs> it's like Machine Gun time. Kelly taking on Eminem. You know, you that's go. what this is. It's a fantasy version.
0: There you go. Um, and uh, Pitcher List uh, just keeps on cranking content. You know, we, we did uh, today's episode on deep sleepers. Uh, check out picturelist.com for uh, articles, uh, shortstop sleepers from Chad Young. Justin Dunbar, Scott's nemesis, wrote a, a piece on second base sleepers. We have a recent article on, on uh, Joe Adele if he's ready for his breakout uh, by Kevin O'Brien. So definitely just visit uh, Pitcher List and check out because we have content going on 365 days a year. And uh, this is our first episode of 2022. Before we go, any uh, any uh, resolutions
1: that you, you made that you want to share? Uh, not that I can share yet, uh-huh. right? Um, some exciting news for me as far as fantasy baseball is concerned is coming, I think, probably in February. Uh, is when we'll announce all of it, but it's going to be just part of the stuff we do at Pitcher List uh, right after the Super Bowl when we really roll out the new site. So we got a lot of fun stuff coming up there. Um, sorry for just turning that into a site plug, but I'm a company no, man. That's
0: awesome. No, no problem. So that's it. So our next show is going to drop on January 20th. And uh, in the meantime, tell all your friends about our show. Follow me on Twitter, at Joe Galena. Follow Scott. At If the Chew Fits, follow our podcast at Hacks and Jacks PL. And if you follow at Picture List Pods, you'll know when a new episode for any of the great podcasts on the Picture List Podcast Network debuts. So uh, please also subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a stellar five star review. As always, we hope that all of your fantasies become realities. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.